podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Love. We think about it, sing about it, dream about it, lose sleep worrying about it. When we don't have it, we search for it. When we discover it, we don't know what to do with it. And when we have it, we fear losing it. Love is the constant source of pleasure and pain. But we cannot predict which it will be from one moment to the next. It is a short word, easy to spell, difficult to define, and impossible to live without, says Heinar on Urban Dictionary. I'm having a conversation today with Lawrence McGrath about his own definition of love. Lawrence is 85 years old, an author who used to be a marine pilot, lawyer, college professor, college president, bank president, and a consultant. In his book, A Cry from the Heart, a personal essay, he expresses his thoughts about religion, dogma, love, and life. Here is the interview with Lawrence McGrath. In your own words, who is Lawrence McGrath? Oh, mercy. Uh, uh, I'm just a, a guy who had uh, a, a serious question uh, about the world. Hmm, that's simple, huh? Yeah, that's simple. <laughs> what is your definition of love and how did you come up with this understanding? Well, um, it's a uh, you you got my eight page uh, essay on on how I came about uh, to, to an understanding, uh, but uh, after forty four years of uh, trying to live in accordance with organized religion rules, um, I asked the four simple questions of why am I alive? What am I to do with this life while I have it? Uh, what is society supposed to do? And is there life after life? And um, I spent the next 20 years uh, 
trying to find a factual answer for those questions and concluded that there is no factual answer. The 2,600 organized religions uh, that have uh, dogma uh, to try to establish their their beliefs as fact uh, all boil down to seven mutual exclusive dogma and uh, and they're all based on belief. Uh, so from that I went on to try to find out uh, why we can't live in peace and um, not only as a husband and wife, uh, parent and child, uh, family, uh, states, then the nation wars, uh, it, it was all so confusing and the the answer is uh, we just all of these dogmas are, are and then you, you all of the dogmas are proposing a, a killing each other in wars justifiable wars they call them nobody's fought a justifiable war it, it's all to establish the purity of the dogma so anyway i came up um, and i found that the love is a misused word we've we our language does not use the word properly uh i say properly does not use it in a way that is free from narcissistic uh t motivations and uh that's how i came up with uh being grateful for and appreciative of the object love. And if you have that in your heart, it is it cannot be a narcissistic motivation. It's a pure, pure heart. And um, there's a second part that goes with that, that you cannot impose your will on another. And those two things would allow us to live in peace, I think. So someone could be grateful for and appreciative of someone else because that person's doing something for them? Uh, yes, that's true. Uh, and that's why you don't have to have a God as a value in, the, in that. Uh, you, you can, you know, somebody buys you a dinner, you're grateful and appreciative of it. You can... You can uh, just give you a ride if you're walking and, you know, anything that is like this podcast, like you're doing for me. You're giving me a chance to to reach other people. And, uh, and I appreciate that. And I'm grateful that you're spending your money and your talent to, to do it. Uh, so, yes, that's that's I think that's pure love. And um, the other thing, Nietzsche uh, said that uh, he thought all acts of love were narcissistic, and that even uh, a soldier leading a battalion up the hill, charging into the death, you know, has an image of himself as a hero, and a right. <laughs> yes. and, and so he's not he's not motivated for love. Although you can be, you can be. It's a, the heart is a secret message, and um, only, only the what is it? Only the something. Only the heart. Some I can't remember the quote. 
You wrote, God's laws are telling me, please don't act selfishly toward another person. When you do, you hurt yourself, you hurt them, and that hurts me because I love you both. The life of giving you, it's hard enough without you beating up on each other. I believe God's command to love one another means to be grateful for and appreciative of one another. So I have three questions for you based um, on this passage from the piece you wrote. What is your definition of God? Um, are you a religious person? And can anyone understand and apply God's command the way you explain here without believing in a personal God? Okay, I'll, I'll answer those in reverse. Yes, it, it is. Uh, but my definition applies to all seven worldviews. Uh, so an atheist uh, can be grateful for and appreciative of an object love without God telling him to. And you can just believe that there's a God, uh, then there are 10 billion people in the world, plus or minus, and, and uh, each one of them knows God. God is an infinite spirit and cannot be known by a finite mind. And therefore, the, we have 10 billion minds trying to know a finite God. But the answer is, God answers all prayer. He, he answers Muslim prayer, Jewish prayer, Christian prayer, Hindu prayer. Uh, and so uh, we don't know who God is. And, uh, and in answer to your question, I don't know who God is. But uh, it's a mysterious uh, spirit out there somewhere. Yes. Um, have you experienced anything in life that you believed it was caused by your connection with God? Uh, yes, I have uh, had God in my life powerfully. And um, oh, yeah, so at some point in life, you believed in the personal God. Yes, yeah, God answers prayer. And that's that has to be a personal God. Right. So at some point in life, you believed or you still believe in the personal God? Yes. Oh, you still believe? You believe in? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, so are you a religious person? No. What is the difference between someone who is religious and somebody who believes in the personal God? Well, if you're religious, you believe in the dogma of the religion. And uh, you believe it is true, and um, you you don't uh, need that. That's why I don't have any followers. I I try to mention this subject, you know, but I scare people because I take away uh, the thought that they don't have a leg up. Is what I want to say. They don't have a mark on God to get a quid pro quo. You know, why wouldn't you love a God who? promises you life in heaven uh, afterwards. Uh, that's a quid pro quo. They, they have the quid pro quo of love. It's not, it's not a personal relationship. Some people have, but uh, I, not many. They, don't, they, they kill, the Christians kill people in the, or the abortion clinics. You know, they, 
they think they're doing God's work. It's, it's nothing could be further from the truth. How would you describe your relationship with God? Well, I don't know because I don't know him or her. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think uh, I think he appreciates me trying to understand him, uh, trying to know his ways, uh, trying to do what pleases him. If heaven exists, we love out of gratitude and appreciation for him because he first loved us. Uh, Sager, uh, who wrote the book Crossing the Safety, said uh, he never made a friend who didn't first think he was remarkable. And uh, I, I think that's I've searched my soul and I found that to be true, that somebody first had to think I was special and then I would make a friend of him. But isn't it narcissistic if we believe that there is a God out there that's kind of looking out for us and appreciating yeah. and being, I don't know, grateful even for our existence? Isn't it a form of narcissism? Well, I, I guess you could say it is, but I, but it depends on your heart. I mean, uh, if I'm not getting anything back, I'm giving. I'm giving what a great appreciation of and gratitude for. That's all coming out of a giving heart, and I don't see it as being narcissistic. No, yes, you're right, because your narcissism also is um, has to do with taking, sort of manipulating. It's yes. negative. It, it cannot be constructive. It's sort of destructive. Yes, yes, and I and that's I think that our the way our, the love is used is is not right. You know, we just oh, I love that. I love this, and uh, we ought to get a new word to. <laughs> to describe those feelings. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you connect gratitude with a pure heart. Um, what are other attributes of a pure heart besides having gratitude for and appreciation? Yeah, I, you, uh, that's the first time it's been presented to me, and you, you could be right. I haven't thought on that. Oh, you never thought about the other attributes of a pure heart? No, that's the the one thing I came up with. I, I just <laughs> I I don't know. Nothing else is is entered by. Yeah, well, well, there's the, again the use of the word love clouds our answer. You you have to be. You see, there. Oh golly, most religions will say that we are we are sinners. We are. We are short. We're we're deficient, and uh, this, this original sin passes from Adam and Eve like a DNA molecule in the in the, in our genetic code. I think it's different from that. I, I think uh, we are born. We look at a baby, and he cries or she cries when they're hungry, thirsty, wet, or tired. And they, in an intensity, they cry until they get their needs met. Well, that's the only weapon they have in salvation, or not salvation, but in life, uh, to get their needs met. And that goes on for a year, year and a half. 
they always have mamas or daddies nearby who feed them and water them and change them and, and put them to bed. And um, so they expect their needs to be met. And I call that, I want what I want when I want it. And that continues on and is exacerbated when they get their own motivation and um, try to take what they want when they want it. And then they can't get that. And then they develop all kinds of things that we now know as sin. And um, I think that if we could change our rearing code, uh, they they wouldn't uh, use force to get what they wanted. When they become adults, it, it, it translates into manipulation. Yes, indeed, it does. Yeah. Right. So you don't believe in kinds of love. You say love is just one love, and that means gratitude and appreciation. The motivation to act in love, yes. Uh, would you say that well, the way I understand as of now, yeah, gratitude, appreciation, the, the motivation to be like that, yes, it has a lot, it makes a lot of sense to me and to my heart, but also connection, like human connection. The thing about know, knowing and uh, loving is two people standing together, one is known and the other is knowing. Neither gets out of the other or uh, into the other. They just are known and being known. But the idea of loving, as we use that word today, uh, is uh, that there's a desire to incorporate or to be a part of the loved object. And that's why it's so different. You can be a known and not be affected by the knower, but you can't be loved and not affected by the lover. Wow. Uh, you can be loved, but not affected by the lover. It's not easy to do, is it? No, no, no. It certainly is not. It it took me 20 years to get that sorted through. And <laughs> you're the first one that really understands me. Yeah, that's difficult <laughs> to do. Um, and you're able to do it in, in your life? Uh, I uh, that's a question that you asked, and uh, uh, I I do pretty well. It's a conscious, a very conscious effort. But I, I when a pimply faced teenager in a red convertible whizzes around me and pulls in front of me and brakes on the brakes, I have a real hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a real hard. The best I've done so far is I pray that he doesn't kill himself or somebody else uh, before he gets wisdom. <laughs> but uh, no, it's very hard, and um, it's, it's a conscious effort. But it really takes the stress out of life. I mean, you know, you can be a pleasant person and a good person and a happy person, and you don't have to like anybody. <laughs> you but you, but you can act in love and, you know, you can be grateful for and appreciative small things, little things. That makes me think about compassion because my definition for compassion, it's sort of uh, suffering with others, sentient beings, included animals, plants, rationally, not emotionally. 
so we can find ways to kind of help them uh, without this personal attachment. What is the difference between compassion, love the way you define it, and unconditional love? I think Nietzsche said uh, there is no such thing as unconditional love. It's it's all a quid pro quo. The compassion, I'm trying to think of an example. Well, take the hurricane we had down here. You know, I can feel sorry for the people who lost their homes and everything, uh, but I, I don't love them. But it doesn't keep me from giving them some money to help repair their home. I don't see compassion. You you incorporate compassion with with work ethic, and um, the work ethic is the is the death knell for organized religion. You don't get into heaven because you do good jobs or do good things or anything. Right. Whatever I see in the world that is negative or destructive and affects me emotionally, or tries to, I try to improve myself, try to make myself a better person so I don't propagate the negativity. So I know it exists out there, but I don't want to be within me. Yeah, I call that compassion too, but I don't know what that is exactly. Yes, yes. Well, uh, but I tell you, you know, there's 10 billion people. Uh, It's a big world. And and they've been working on the wrong set of values for a long time. And we've incorporated those values into governments. And uh, the, the, the world is stacked against you. So I think that if you, uh, well, uh, it's Pinker wrote a book. He's a Harvard graduate teacher. And um, he says uh, after... He wrote the book and all the chapters saying how much better we are as a nation. Uh, now, he still came to the conclusion that we don't know why we're getting together, but just keep on keeping on was, his, right. <laughs> was what I got out of it. And that is the thing. We can't agree on a common solution. Uh, so therefore, you can't agree on on the, the, the common goal. And that's why I tried to reach the, you know, the the definition I have is uh, you can reach that goal. You you can reach a goal of uh, loving uh, with the deep appreciation of and gratitude for the object love. Right. Um, don't you think we have a common goal, regardless of you know what some thinkers say? You know, a lot of intelligent people who speculate a lot about humanity. What do you feel about the common goal of not being happy? I I don't believe that. I don't think we are really searching for happiness, but I think each one of us is searching for meaning. Yes. Uh... Frank, uh, the, the, the doctor in the uh, Holocaust, who wrote uh, The Man's Search yeah, for Meaning, uh, s- said, yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, when when you lose your meaning for life, you, you give up. You, you just quit, roll over and die. So, yes, so you and what I'm writing about is that it took me 44 years 
let, let me say this. Dogma is to my soul as an eggshell to the chick. I could not help but be born within it. I could not grow free from its influences. But if I did not break free from it, dogma would entomb my soul. And I lived according to dogma for 44 years. And it and I, you don't uh, find anything outside of it. You live, you try to live according to the dogma. And you, you, <laughs> they have you in a lock, lock chokehold. I think uh, all, all organized religions are the deaths are the desecration uh, standing in a holy place or an or an abomination of desolation standing in a holy place and that's all of them and I, I you can't take on all of the religions of the world and be a single guy but uh, they they keep you from learning the truth. And the truth is there there is no truth to those four questions, no truthful answer to the four questions. And they're all based on belief. Yes. Um, so in a way, you're saying that it's really hard for most people to live uh, without dogmas. Yes, that's that's right. It is very difficult. Uh, you know, a million uh, or a billion uh, Hindu dip their feet in the Ganges River and you get prayed for uh, the, the entering into heaven, and that's all dogma. The Catholics believe, oh, it's dogma. It's it's crushing. Yes, yeah. Um, I think you're right. Most people, um, they can't set themselves free uh, and find out the truth, whatever the truth is for themselves, right? See, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's, we, can't, we can talk here, but we don't really know. What is the truth, the, the truth about life? Do you have some ideas? I think Pinker got it right. I think we just have to keep on keeping on. I, I busted my God. He, he could make it a lot clearer. He could have given us a manual that was a lot easier to read and without as many hiccups in it. Uh, it it's uh, it's, uh, but he, he's chosen this way. And so we're just to keep, keep trying and do good, do what you're doing. Uh, just keep trying and be humble and uh, keep learning. Keep learning. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and meaning, and meaning is very important. Yeah. Talking about meaning a lot these days is uh, Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you heard about him. He's a psychologist uh, from Canada. He has been talking a lot no. about it and make great points out there. What mm -hmm. I take from his message is um, meaning, like we've got to have meaning in life. That's really important. Find something that, that keeps us feeling alive, motivated um, to wake up every day. Yes, and it's uh, it's easier when you're young and have energy. <laughs> it's uh, tougher when you get old mm. <laughs> and the body doesn't work so well. That's true. So are you saying that you can have meaning up to like 60 and then meaning starts to 
take a different direction, a, dif- a, a, a different color? How do, would you explain like this, the progression of meaning throughout the years? Oh, I don't know. I haven't thought about that, but I, I, I know that the meaning got harder to implement when I got to be 83, 84. And, uh, and it's just, it's tough to get out of bed sometimes. How old are you? 85. So what, what gives you meaning these days? Broadcasting my little thought. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And that's, that's about it. I, I take care of my wife. We just are getting along. That's it. They are big things. Taking care of somebody else, that's one of the things that, that gives meaning to your life. And expressing yes. yourself, your deepest truth, or whatever you think is truth. Yeah. Yes. How is your, your life different after realizing your own definition of love? I'm free. I'm free from the chains of dogma. I'm I'm no longer a a slave. I'm a free man. Hmm, I like that. That feels good. Yes. Freedom um, in the sense that you understand yourself better? Yeah. Yeah, I understand how my world works and how my world works with my God. I'm good with that. Yeah, that sounds great. Are gratitude and appreciation uh, daily practices for you, or they sort of happen naturally without any effort? No, 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 no. It's a consciousness 24-7. Being aware, right? Yeah. How do you practice awareness on a daily basis? Well, I keep my mouth shut. (laughs) And that really helps. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! I, 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 <laughs> I won't be aware ever. Then that's not good. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, no, no, I yeah, I had a quick tongue, and uh, and it it, like, it got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and so I have to when I get a burr in my saddle. I, it just causes me to stop and think and then to see where I can appreciate the f- person that caused the burr and then to see how I, uh, to react uh, either. Sometimes I just let it pass. Yes, sometimes I can think of a way to make it good. Sometimes it works. It works for me. I don't react in anger. Uh, except with the pimply face kid in the car. (laughs) It's tough. Yeah, it's not easy to be patient and grateful, appreciative of everything, including like, I don't know, violence and aggression around us and ignorance and all that. Yeah, that's true. And and when you realize that everybody's acting in what they think is the truthful value, then it, I, I uh, seek to know their truth. I try to understand it. That's wise. I had a question for you about that. Um, yeah. Do you think it's easier to be aware or to practice awareness at this level as you get older or anyone can do it? Young people can practice it too. I don't know. I can't speak for the young. Uh, my, I have grandchildren. 
and uh, the two twins, uh, they they like the stuff I write. I I I started the, a series called Message to the Millennials from an old geezer, and uh, and they really liked it. And uh, I took what I wrote a book of my thoughts, and it's on Amazon. Uh, it's uh, a cry from the heart by Lawrence McGrath, and uh, so I thought I'd break it down into thousand words themes and different topics. And I got twelve, thirteen of them written. I didn't know about your book, so I will get it from Amazon. Right, I have it here, and it, I will also mention in the in this podcast, like with the introduction. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you didn't mention. That's interesting that you didn't mention. Most people would. <laughs> and and that's great that your grandchildren, they appreciate um, the way you write and the things that you write about. Yes, well, I have 17 grandchildren. And so there are two out of 17, I guess, isn't bad. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah, I like that. And are some of them interested in, in this practice of becoming more aware of love in the way you describe uh, gratitude and appreciation? Yes, uh, but I, I, yeah, they're, they're young, and I don't know if they're able to. I just don't know. I, it, I don't know how hard it is. They're, they're both college graduates, and um, my other, another granddaughter is coming to visit, and I think she wants to learn, too. They're interested. They, they, the life is uh, hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah, for them. It's interesting because when we think about gratitude, the word appreciation, they're so simple. Like it seems like a, a child would be able to understand that and apply, but most people don't. They understand, but they don't apply in, um, these values into their lives for some reason. They've got to overcome what they've already learned. You know, Socrates said it's easier to teach an ignorant man than one who is wrong because before you could teach the wrong man, you have to first show him his error of his previous knowledge before you can teach him the truth. That's that's where we are. Uh, so there's a lot of, of um, unlearning to do before they can learn new things. Yeah. Yeah, they have to unlearn. So that's a good book to write, Lawrence, how to <laughs> unlearn so we can become more loving. <laughs> how would you teach the wisdom you've found to those whose acts of love serve only to satisfy their love of self? Yeah, my goal, I mean, what I believe is inform them of a new way of thinking. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing we were talking earlier, right? About unlearning. Yeah, you just uh, the acts of love are selfish, and uh, it's a quid pro quo, and you can't get there from here. And teach them that there's an- another way. Yes, I think another issue is that out there we have a lot of self books on self love, and I think a lot of yes. people misinterpret that, uh, and they become selfish and narcissistic yeah there's a lot of books on on uh, on how to improve yourself yes what is your definition of self-love 
relax, <laughs> just relax and enjoy. So the next question is, what are some examples of what you do or have done that are considered an act of gratitude and appreciation? My wife is still working and uh, I cook, try to be involved in her daily work. And she, uh, my, my life is pretty slow right now as far as being a, a caregiver. I, I don't... I don't know that I'm doing much. Right. But you are doing much in, in this sense of uh, taking care of somebody else. Oh, okay. So the other question I have here for you is, how many people do you know show gratitude and appreciation? No one. No one? No. Wow. Um, is that because you don't know them enough? Oh, maybe, but uh, they're pretty locked into their dogma of the teaching. What is your understanding of well-being? Being content with yourself, uh, being content with the life you've lived or you, the lessons you've learned from living life, that's pretty well-being. Yes, being content. I like the word um, of the idea, the concept of contentment. Uh-huh, yes. I, there was a book, uh, The Contentment of the Christian Life. Uh, it's an old book. If you believe in the dogma of the Christian religion, why, it's good. Oh, it serves that purpose because it's religious, okay? Yes, 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 it does. What are three things about life you know for sure? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mercy. <laughs> Three things about life I know for sure. Well, I know I'm going to die. And uh, marriage is hard. And uh, life's a great journey. What is the greatest thing about the journey of life? The learning. Learning anything or specific things learning when you know you know you got it right hmm. lessons of life yeah yeah where can we find more information about you your work um, your books or your book um, or future projects i don't know i i'm not i'm, I'm not on any of the podcasts or i don't I don't, not, I have Gmail. <laughs> so you have an email and you also have a book on Amazon. Can you please tell us the title of the book and how to find it? Cry from the heart. And you can, there's another book by that title. She was an opera singer, but this, my name, Lawrence McGrath is the author. Thank you so much, Lawrence. It has been great to talk to you. I'm glad. It's nice to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lawrence McGrath, 
please visit fitforjoy.org guests. You will find his email and also the Amazon link to his book, A Cry from the Heart, a personal essay. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.